You're about to listen to Office Hours with me, Georgia Howe. This is a weekly companion series to PragerU's popular five-minute videos, where I explore various political and cultural topics with PragerU experts, asking questions and digging deeper to bring you perspectives that you may not hear in a traditional college classroom. To watch the video version of this series, click on the link in the description or go to dailywire.com. Welcome to Office Hours. I'm Georgia Howe with The Daily Wire. Today, we sit down with international libertarian broadcaster, TV presenter, and author Gloria Alvarez. Gloria's new PragerU video is titled Understanding Ayn Rand, where she talks about the life and philosophy of the famous author, known best for the classic works Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. Rand's pro-capitalist ideas have had a profound influence on American political thought over the last century, but they are nonetheless controversial on both the left and the right. Let's jump right in. Gloria, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Georgia. It's a pleasure being here. Ayn Rand is a really big topic and it's hard to know where to start. But one thing that you focused on in your video, which I think is actually the most interesting aspect of Ayn Rand, is her view on morality. So in your video, you talk about how Ayn Rand considered capitalism to be not just an aspect of a moral society, but the foundation of morality itself, or the foundation of the ideal morality. So I want to listen to a clip of your video, and then I'm going to ask you about that, okay? Rand advocated pure capitalism, which she described as a system in which the government acts only as a policeman that protects men's rights. No bailouts, no special favors for big business, no government intervention into the economy. When people are free to produce and trade, and when the government is limited to protecting rights, everyone benefits. Many people summarize Ayn Rand's philosophy as greed is good. Would you say that's fair and accurate? I would say that what Ayn Rand focuses on is rationality. And from the basis of what is rational, what it comes to be the most peaceful interaction that two human beings can have is trade. Is the only way that we can, in a peaceful and uh, agreeable way, look for the talents that we, within each other, we, we don't have to exchange values, products, and services, right? The other options are war, plunder, exfoliation, robbery. So for her, trade is moral because it's the only rational means in order to acquire something that someone else with different talents, talents that you have can individually produce. So that's why she called capitalism moral. But she also mentioned that, unfortunately, we never have true capitalism, uh, true free market, unless the law equally treats everybody uh, with no privileges, with no subsidies, with no protectionisms and no bailouts. So this is why her views are so, so controversial in the left wing and the right wing as well. Well, one thing that's actually really interesting about Ayn Rand, and maybe you can speak to this, is she doesn't identify as a conservative, she identifies as an objectivist. Can you tell us a little bit about what it means to be an objectivist? She developed her own philosophy under the pillars of understanding from the metaphysical point of view that existence exists and you shouldn't be fighting against reality, but understand reality in order to accommodate it so that human beings can have the better life that they can possibly have using reason as their tool to understand that reality. 
So she steps away from any mysticism or any, any view of the world that rejects reality as it is. From there, she develops uh, an epistemological point of view where the concepts and the development of language is the basis for human understanding. From there, she goes on to politics and economics. That's why in economics, uh, she defends capitalism as the only moral system that there is. And on the higher and ultimate level is art. Uh, she developed in the Romantic Manifesto how all the forms of art from architecture, music, um, even the movie industry can be tools into putting out there all the values and principles that a human being is trying to achieve in a society. So these five branches is what she calls objectivism, a philosophy to live in this world. And it, its basis is that, that you as an individual, you are an end in your own self. You are not the means of someone else, and you cannot use other human beings for your own um, um, like ends, even if they are in your head something that is moral or good for them. So it's interesting that you describe it that way, because I think most people, when they first hear about Ayn Rand's philosophy of kind of greed is good, their first concern is exploitation. So how does Ayn Rand marry that together of everyone pursuing their own goals but also uh, avoiding a situation of exploitation. So in, in her book, The Virtue of Selfishness, she explains that you are a selfish person as long as you understand that other individuals also have the right to pursue their own happiness, have their own interests, personal interests. And in the moment that you respect the life, the liberty, and the private property of other individuals, you are being a rational, selfish human being. That means that if you understand that you have a right to go for your dreams, you also have to respect other human beings' rights to go for their dreams as well. So this is why she calls that this is the most moral philosophy of them all, because no one is stepping on each other's foot in order to harm the dreams and the and, and, and the goals that everyone has. Thomas Sowell also uh, said something similar, and Walter Williams, when they talked about uh, social justice, and, and they say, well, my definition of social justice is that you, you keep with what, whatever you have worked for, and I, am, and I can keep whatever I have worked for. And if you have any reason to take something from me that I worked, Tell me why. Where is the morality on that, right? So when, when you go a little bit in depth, you will discover that this type of philosophy offers you the opportunity of treating other human beings in the highest regard as you treat yourself. And if you understand that you have rights and you have goals, then the other 7 billion people living in this planet also. And that's why she condemned racism, nationalism, uh, communism, uh, feminism, and machismo, uh, all of the same, because these are all like mental constructs that don't exist in reality. And they are ways in which the human being divides each other unnecessarily for, for capitalism not to flourish, for true liberty and true equality not to happen. You mentioned that Ayn Rand condemned communism and she grew up in Soviet Russia. Can you talk a little bit about how her background informed her morality and her worldview? Well, I think it was crucial because uh, the whole communist idea is that you as a human being, you're worth nothing. You're only worthy if you sacrifice yourself 
for the common good of the whole society. So what you have at the end is a lot of human beings, all of them renouncing to their dreams, their goals, their personal interests for this idea that doesn't exist in reality of the common good of a nation. So you will always have uh, a class that is absolutely exploited, taken out of all the rights for the dream of this altruism and, and, and this uh, goal of having everyone as equal. But in reality, communism, unfortunately, doesn't bring equality. The only equality it brings is equality in misery for most of the population, but still there's an oligarchy. And in Soviet Russia, we can see it with Lenin, with Stalin, uh, and in other the, in all, in all communism uh, regimes, you can see that there's always an oligarchy that benefits from having everyone deprived of their rights. So when she saw that, she said, altruism is evil because in the name of sacrificing each other, what, what George Orwell put in, in Animal Farm, she, she drew from that to say, this is horrible. Uh, and I know that it is like an iceberg, no? The iceberg of communism in the tip sounds so good because it's all about, you know, equality and fraternity and all of us are going to be happy. But in the depths of that iceberg, there are gulags and misery and genocide. When you talk about selfishness in the tip of the iceberg of selfishness, it sounds horrible. It sounds like every man for himself. No one cares about anyone. There's no love. There's no, uh, you know, empathy. When what actually Rand is saying is no, when you care about yourself, you not only are not uh, a burden for your society, but you have something to add up to that society with your talents, with your studies, with the things that you come up with. And so the depth of that iceberg brings prosperity and being, brings individualism. So every individual is worth the same. You don't need those divisions or you don't need a government saying that you have to privilege some group because no one in the first place needed to be considered a secondhand citizen. Something that's really interesting about Ayn Rand is she really idolized the founding fathers of the United States, and she loved their philosophy that they came up with. But what's interesting is she came to it from a different direction. So the founding fathers here talk about rights endowed by a creator, which is why they valued personal freedoms. But Ayn Rand came to it from the idea of reason. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she was a firm atheist. So can you talk a little bit about her feelings about the founding fathers and how we can compare and contrast their views? Yeah, actually, one of the things she celebrated as a capitalist atheist from the founding fathers was that they were escaping uh, systems where religion and monarchy went one and all together. And in the United States, they created religious freedom. So it was absolutely respected that everyone in their own home could practice any religion, rather it be Catholicism or the Protestant church or, or whatever was going on in the time. But it was understood that every single individual, first of all, they were not subjects to a government. So what she really admired about the founding fathers was that for the first time in human history, it was written down that the populations are not the servants of the, of the government in place, but the government is there to serve those uh, th those populations, especially respecting their rights. So because of the basis of religious freedom, 
also people with no religion whatsoever could come to the United States and become someone without having to be subjects of a king. The Anran Institute has a very interesting article called The United States Was Founded on Secular Principles. And what they explain is that by having religious freedom and not forcing everybody to one point of view is that then you can create a society that prospers in other aspects of, of liberty. How did you become interested in libertarian philosophy yourself? Well, way before knowing about uh, Rand, many years before, I, I had contact with communism firsthand because both my parents come from Hungary and Cuba. So, you know, you, you have your first impression of, of how that is like from there. And then without even knowing, I chose to study in a libertarian university in Guatemala called Francisco Marroquin. And they had like uh, all the mix of classical liberalism with Frederick Bastiat to the Austrian economies with Mises and Hayek. And there was always talk about Anne Rand and Atlas Shrugged, but I never read the book until I graduated from college uh, many years later. And when I read it, uh, what impressed me about this novel is that it, it was like a documentary of all the communist systems, but how do they start in very successful societies? So for me, Atlas Shrugged spoke more about Cuba than the Soviet Union, because Cuba was the most developed nation of Latin America in the 50s. It was very close to the standards of living of the United States. So while reading Atlas Shrugged, I was like, this describes exactly the, the whole destruction that you can see it in the economy, but it's not the economy. It's also the psychological destruction where human beings are deprived of having any kind of self-esteem, of hating the good for being good, of hating the self-made man, and still try to live off that, that self-made man. And from there, I read more about her philosophy. And now I've been collaborating with the Ayn Rand Institute, with the Atlas Society, with the objective standard to understand more of her nonfiction and her philosophical grounds for objectivism. So for people who are interested in Ayn Rand and they want to maybe read one of her books, which one would you recommend? Well, if you're a lazy reader, I would start with Anthem because it's a very small uh, book uh, and it's a dystopian future where I doesn't exist anymore. It's a society that has come to the point where we is better and it's a, it's a short novel that I would even recommend for, I don't know, uh, beginning, beginners in, in reading. Uh, but if you love fiction and you love those kind of stories that intertwine everything, like Game of Thrones or Star Wars, and there are a lot of things happening at different levels from like the political scene to the love scene, then definitely Atlas Shrugged. Now, if you're more interested in like a personal struggle on how to become someone that has his own voice in a society where, where you don't feel identified and where you feel that where they are pushing you is, is not somewhere that you want to go through, I would definitely uh, recommend The Fountainhead. And if you're not much of a fiction reader, then I would recommend uh, The Virtue of Selfishness. In her nonfiction, I think that that's the best book with short essays that, that gives you a good impression of what objectivism is. And finally, if you love art and you are puzzled in what art should mean in the world, I recommend the Romantic Manifesto. All right. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you online? 
Uh, you can find me online in Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and YouTube as Gloria Alvarez. Uh, and I, I am the one that uh, takes care of my own social media. So it will be me replying to you. <laughs> All right, excellent. And that's the end of today's Office Hours. Make sure to tune in next week for our conversation with a new PragerU presenter. I'm Georgia Howe. Thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, if you'd like to see the video version of this show, or if you haven't seen this week's PragerU five-minute video, make sure to click on the link in the description below or head over to dailywire.com. We'll see you next Monday for a new interview with another PragerU presenter. (music) 